Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. somebody call for a hero of the republic <laughs> i'm how back m- how many codies <laughs> are too many codies uh, never enough codies hello everyone and uh, welcome back it's uh wes andy hank it's your sunday night we are back with another episode of fandom power we're back with uh, episode three of uh season two star wars the bad batch it's uh the solitary clone this week mm-hmm. crazy episode glad to be back everybody uh just a quick update uh we ran our 100 subscriber uh contest it was uh very successful we gave one prize away <laughs> we've drawn for grievous now twice still waiting davy man 8868 you have just a couple days left you have two days left to contact us to get your prize or i'm gonna do it for the third time and we don't get anybody after that i'm just picking somebody <laughs> we just do videos eliminating one person on. <laughs> that's awesome that's we got a lot to talk about tonight uh this episode <clears throat> for me excellent episode before we get into that though we cannot we cannot move forward without another installment of bad star wars jokes we need Where is that guy somewhere in the studio this week's bad star wars joke comes from where all the bad star wars jokes come from it comes from the internet of course i've i've modified this one to make it i think a little more funnier but uh you guys will be the judge of that let me ask you fellas what happens if you drink spoiled blue milk oh geez oh no luke always got it fresh you get the kessel runs for 12 parsecs <laughs> oh my <laughs> Oh my! Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Not that if you round up. <laughs> that made me chuckle. Those mines are spicy. 
As always, if you've got a bad Star Wars joke that you think is uh, is a rib tickler, please send it along. We'd be happy to uh, read it on the air. Must be family friendly, by the way. Must be family friendly. That's the only uh, condition put on that. Otherwise, this has been another installment of Bad Star Wars Jokes. We'll hear from that guy next week. Yeah. All right. Um, the solitary clone, guys, uh, before we get right into it, uh, as we always do, some sort of light initial uh, impressions. Who would like to go first? I'll go. Go ahead, Andy. Uh, even though we don't actually see our core batch, yeah. don't discount this as a filler episode. Oh, because- no. I mean, if anything, it fills in a whole lot of development for what happened to Crosshair. Yeah. Post season finale last year. Yeah. 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 Um, And holy crap. We talked about that whole sense of like, is he getting punished for because they were reported as dead? Yeah. We know they're not dead. And now Rampart knows they're not dead. So is, is, is part of what's happening in this episode, that punishment that we were talking about, he's no longer in command. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Hank, what do you think? Uh, another stellar one. I think uh, r- reminding us that the story is about all of Clone Force 99. You know. Um, Not just our core batch. Right. So, you know, uh, he makes two decisions or gets left behind twice <laughs> at yeah. the end of, uh, or, well, throughout the first season. So we're just, you know possibly the first one with his free will recovery complete, you know? Uh, yeah. It, it raises <laughs> a lot of ethical questions about, you know, nature, nurture. Uh, mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. What, you know, there's a, <laughs> a lot of deep stuff going on here and, uh, and Cody, I mean, spoiler alert. Cody. Come on. We knew it was coming, but come on. Awesome. Happy awesome to see Cody stuff. come back. Uh, let me speak of, let me just toss that back up in here. Cody, you say? It's Cody. (laughs) All right. um, I have some thoughts uh, before we get going. This episode actually did something for me that I did not think was possible. And that was to actually generate just a little teensy-weensy modicum of sympathy for Crosshair, which I, you know, last season did not have. You know how I had said, like, postured that death is the only way to redeem him. It still is. Uh, don't get me don't go don't get me wrong there. Death is the only way th- that he can be redeemed. And I say that in the sense that I don't equate turning back to the light to be equal to redemption. So turning back to the light, great. Um, you know what? Vader turned back to the light. It doesn't make up for the countless uh, bad things that he did. All the younglings. Well, there is that. And it won't matter for Crosshair either. So I still think that a a posthumous uh, uh, redemption is still dramatically correct. I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. I actually think there is a chance he'll flip back. Um, And the other thing, and I I try not to, I really try not. I know we, we have our, our, uh, our private chat throughout the week between the three of us. And a lot of times we, (laughs) when we get off into the weeds, I am the first one to throw out, listen, if you're struggling with something, just remember space wizards and laser swords here, kids. Like mm-hmm. when you start arguing or discussing or tossing around the idea of things like, oh, I don't know, real, physics, real word physics, <laughs> right, right. To, uh, animation model. Um, 
which is fine. It's it's a space opera. It is high fantasy, and it's meant to be exciting. And it is all those things. War is but not trick. <laughs> when you, yeah, that's true. When you break your own rules, I have a problem with that, and I have a real big problem with what happened in this episode. We're gonna break that down. Also, um, I hope you guys didn't didn't read too far into some of the the Easter eggs this week. There's a really cool Easter egg that comes up at the end of the episode. The moment is so <laughs> it's so somber and it's so serious, but they they sneak in like a little nugget of comedy gold. Um, but you got to stick around to the end of the show for that because it's right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, it is uh, the, uh, the Bad Batch Episode 3. It is The Solitary Clone. Uh, it was released on Wednesday, January 11th, this year, 2023. Hey, This one is written by Amanda Munoz. Now, uh, this is her first uh, writing credit, and she has uh, one more for the season, so two episodes this uh, season. But she's also the series script supervisor. Hmm. She's also worked as either a script supervisor or script coordinator on every CGI animated Star Wars show to date. So hmm. she should have a good grasp on Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So awesome to see her uh, in the writer's chair. Uh, directed by our friend Saul Ruiz. No stranger. No, exactly. <laughs> uh, our runtime this week, it is an advertised 30 minutes uh, with your opening titles and credits or an actual 20 minutes and 39 seconds of actual footage. Wow. Pardon me. Yeah, it's a big, big difference. A big jump. This week's uh, synopsis reads, clones battle against a separatist holdout. And our, oh, let me just change up our, uh, our view here. That doesn't look right. There, you there go. we go. <laughs> there we go. The episode opens with a long shot of uh, uh, Desix City perched atop some rocky desert steps. Now, it's unclear if it's uh, early morning or late afternoon, but either way, the sun sits low in the sky and its light is diffused by thick, blowing red dust. Does that remind you of a gigantic Jabba's palace at all? Uh, I actually went another way with it. I kind of, I got Jeddah vibes. Hmm. Like Jeddah City, sitting on top of the mesa. My yeah, first yeah, impression yeah. is kind of like, okay, we're doing a long pulled back shot, just like we did in the last one on Duke's Oh, sure, Castle. sure just to give you an establishing of like how big these places are. I'll for sure give you Hank that the, the Citadel on top there, uh, totally, uh, Jabba vibes. It's even got that diagonal sort of stairwell or roadway going up the side. The ramp. Oh, the yeah. big ramp. Yeah. 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 That's actually something else I really enjoyed about this episode was because the, the geography of the episode was such a, a, a considerably smaller, uh, uh, location. It was easy to follow where they were Cause you see this pullback shot and, like and we see, yeah, yeah, we see other angles, uh, both looking towards the Citadel and looking away and it was really easy to follow. Okay. They're here now. Oh, okay. They're here now. Mm -hmm. Well, looking closer at the steps we see that, uh, Desix, uh, new planet, by the way, we've never been here before. Desix isn't uh, completely devoid of vegetation. In fact, uh, citizens are going about, uh, tending to, uh, corn like crops, that have been arranged in these semicircular arcs around the uh, high-walled citadel. Uh, as I said, the high-walled citadel, it reminds me of uh, Jeddah City with a large dome building rising high above the others. Well, then uh, a city-wide alarm goes off, and people stop what they're doing, and they begin to run for cover. And the urgency that they move 
suggests this isn't the first time that they've actually had to do this. This is not a drill. No, exactly. <laughs> well, in the sky overhead, an Imperial new class attack shuttle descends uh, on approach to the city. On board the ship, Imperial Governor Groton rides, accompanied by a squad of T- the new TK troopers that we were uh, introduced to back in season one. The the proto stormtrooper with a heavy heavy lean into the uh, Macquarie art oh, yeah. style, big time. Well, Governor Groton, that's uh, actor Max Middleman, who has over 200 acting credits, um, lots and lots and lots of anime work. Uh, you may recognize him as uh, Saitama in the English dub version of uh, One Punch Man. He also played Harry Osborn in the 2017 Spider-Man and is no stranger to Star Wars, having voiced the uh, cyborg Jedi Arm, uh, Arn Perilun in Star Wars The Old Republic. Cool. All right. Well, panicked citizens uh, rush to get indoors as the siren continues to blare and uh, the attack shuttle sets down just outside the palace and Governor Groton and the TK troopers debark and approach the front door of the domed building. Well, the door slides down into the floor and three figures covered from head to toe in thick garments suitable for the harsh climate exit. All three of them are wearing helmets uh, that conceal their faces, but they are definitely humanoid. And the central figure appears to be uh, slighter than the other two. With their voices electronically masked, the central figure announces themselves as Tawny Ames, the governor of Dessex, and demands uh, what the Imperials uh, business is there. Now, the electronic masking quality has a I give it the I call it the Leia Bush quality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has that same kind of yoto yoto mm-hmm. behind it. Similar kind of features on the mask too, if you ask me. But yeah, clearing his throat, uh, Groton refers to the masked figure as uh, Mistress Ames and says that he's there under imperial decree to relieve her of the governorship of Dessex. Well, Governor Ames tells uh, Groton that Dessex doesn't fall under imperial jurisdiction, and she demands that he take his troops and depart peacefully but groton tells her that the empire has rejected uh, her request for sovereignty calling the news disappointing she triggers a switch on uh, a wristband and suddenly the imperials are surrounded by an overwhelmingly large force of b1 battle droids tawny draws a pistol and leveling it at groton tells him i have a message for your empire cool to see uh, battle droids back in action um, not just being thrown around as fodder like they were last episode. Yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. It does I make mean, sense. It, it, it make, does. It makes sense that there'd still be just like after the fall of the empire, there are remnants of the empire. It makes sense. Um, I mean, even in rebels, there's that small group of droids that are just refuse to admit that the war is over because it's yeah. not over for them. You know, Want to talk about the sovereignty thing for a second what do you think about that good idea well i mean desix was clearly a separatist world we're going to get a little more into uh exactly sort of uh where they were on the political spectrum but mm. remember yeah. that uh these worlds uh after they seceded from the republic um they formed together under a coalition so i mean i guess there's a sense that like just because the the confederacy doesn't exist anymore that proclaim sovereignty does maybe yeah i mean 
the, the, this doesn't, you know, especially if you still have armies of battle droids, this, that power change doesn't change anything for you. No. You know, like no, the Viet Cong would still be the Viet Cong, no matter if they got defeated or not. Like, yeah. So yeah. the fact that the, the power base shifts, they're still a separatist world. And you yeah. can see the difference in the response. Um, you know, again, we're, we, we're kind of hammering that nail a lot. Um, when, when we're on separatist worlds, we're not even playing, you know, <laughs> and uh, they're still trying to convince the former Republic worlds that yeah. they're empire. Good know, empire. Good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's funny. All right. Well, um, Tawny Ames, that's uh, actress uh, Tasia Valenza. Now, her longest running gig was playing Dottie Thornton on uh, All My Children between 1983 and uh, 1986. But you might recognize her as Poison Ivy from the Arkham video game series. Nice. And uh, this is not uh, Tasha's first go at Star Wars either because she was the voice of Shaq T in the Clone Wars. Oh, crazy. Yeah. All right, with a wipe shot, uh, wipe transition, we are taken to a military installation on Coruscant. It's actually the uh, uh, Imperial Military Headquarters. We're inside. Uh, Crosshair wakes up with an alarm. Now, it's not clear uh, if this is an alarm that's just within his quarters or if this is like a facility wide alarm. Like we just, it's like Reveille in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of how I am, especially because he just gets up. Looks looks routine. Goes to eat, and it's repeated later on in the episode yeah, too, right? It's probably a shift, uh, yeah, shifts. It's like shift okay, start. your daily routine goes now. This and, is and you know what it, it reminds me of Aldani a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes. it does. Right, you know, this is where I get that first real uh, um, echo of the the title of the episode, "The Solitary Clone." He wakes up alone, swings his feet out of bed, sits there for a second, and it's just like, oh. Or not yeah. all Donny, uh, Narkina. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Narkina, Narkina Prison. 5. Yeah. yeah. Sitting up and swinging his feet onto the floor, uh, Crosshair pauses for a moment and uh, wipes his eyes before he gets up. Later on in the mess hall, he approaches a table with a pair of regs. Regs, of course, meaning regular clones, clones that are not genetically modified. Regs are sitting at a, a table eating their breakfast. One of the men tells the other that uh, the defense recruitment bill is up for vote again. And the other one says uh, that he hopes for their sake that it does not pass. Mm -hmm. um, because that spells the end of the end of days for uh, clone service in the Imperial. And military. You can see that mm. it, it shows you like the, uh, the waning uh, democracy, yeah. you know, the, the Senate's still a thing, but you know, we all know the bill is not going to pass. Uh, yes, we do. Well, Crosshair sits down besides, uh, beside the two regs, and they aren't too happy about it. One of them gestures at the other, and then both men get up, and they move to the next table, leaving Crosshair to sit alone by himself. Um, these two guys make it really clear they do not like him. So this goes all the way back to, like, episode one of the Bad Batch, right? Where when they sat down as a group, you know, they were already at odds with the rest of them. I have some, I have some curiosity around this. Is the, is the gesture of getting up and leaving based in, we get a line later on. Uh, and, and of course they talked about it at the end of season one, that clones are now starting to go AWOL. So is this part of that moral spectrum from the sense that like, oh, he's an evil bastard 
or is this just i think this is just holdover from we don't like these abnormal yeah, clones i, I agree okay with you, i yeah. wondered that as well this is, it, it's it's high school stuff we're not gonna we don't want to sit with this weird yeah, kid right right well crosshair he can't even get a single bite of his already spartan breakfast into his mouth before this detached female voice pipes over the pa and summons him to uh, admiral rampart's office now um oh i've got some notes here apparently i didn't italicize them <laughs> i was gonna read them like script <laughs> uh, uh it's all stuff we just talked about right yeah. uh either way the whether it's uh because they don't like him or some other reason uh it does inform us that clone attitudes in general are shifting well they're recognizing uh, a threat yeah from within but outside like they have no control oh, yeah. over it, right? yeah, yeah. it's gonna be the yeah. senate that decides their fate that's and right. i i got the impression it bothered him this time too like it yeah. you know that whole scene from the very first episode yep none of them seem to care in fact they start a fight not because it bothers them but you know, right because they had each other yeah right yeah, yeah and so i get the impression that that it's starting to bother him he's not connected to anyone he's part of this thing but he's not connected to any of them not connected to down the on the whole solitary thing well that, to his direct brother that speaks volumes that whole not being connected and yet all the other clones seem perfectly connected to one another, but not him. Yeah. And no surprise, you know, if you told me that, you know, he spends a lot of time thinking about the rest of Clone Force 99, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. For better or for worse. Going to get ahead of myself here a little bit because uh, our next uh, actor actually uh, is double-hatted this episode. Our PA voice, the voice of the PA um, is... Uh, uh, Shelby Young and Shelby Young is also the tactical droid in this episode. She was also the voice of Captain Bragg hmm. back in season one, um, but she's been a longtime voice actor for uh, Princess Leia in both Star Wars Forces of Destiny um, and as well as uh, Star Wars uh, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga. She also voiced the uh, Ewok Princess Nisa. Hmm. Got a Facebook uh, comment coming in here. Uh, any of them that know about their home, uh, about the destruction of uh, Camino? Yeah, I think that would. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see where that would. Because that takes any more of them coming into the fold off the table. Yeah, I mean, I, they could especially be resentful of him knowing that he he's the only one that got back from that planet. He's the only survivor, as far as we know. Yeah, right? that's right. That's right. After uh, what thirty-two rotations, he said. Mm -hmm. Oh, serious? Yeah, that yeah. that I, I yeah that made me take a a double take. I guess there's a lot of food in that backpack, <laughs> <laughs> or fish. Yeah, could, go fish or fish. Yeah, he's yeah. a hunter. You That's could, true. That's yeah. true. All right. So as Crosshair enters uh, Rampart's office, the Admiral is studying a data pad. Without lifting his eyes, he remarks that uh, Crosshair has been medically cleared for active duty. He then asks him how long he was stranded on the platform on Camino. Crosshair tells him it was 32 rotations. Of course, rotation is just a generic term for day. Um, and it's generic enough that you can use it on any planet because it makes no presumptions for the length of a day on any planet. So 32 rotations could have been, uh, you know, 10 minutes of earth time. Who knows? Could have been yeah. a month. Yeah. Could have yeah. been two months. Feels like a month. <laughs> that the, seems extreme. Yeah. 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 The uh, data pad translates as a cargo unit checklist. So mundane. Mm -hmm. 
And I, I wonder if that was just a throwaway, like if that was an asset that was already created that they just dumped in there. Maybe. Or is there, I mean, Rampart we get. seems like the guy who wants control over everything in his, you know. That just seems like minutia that an admiral would never be. I mean, it would have to be like crazy important, like the contents of, of Sereno maybe. Yeah, I was kind of hoping there would be like a little, at least like a, a reference or something like cargo, what's in it sereno cargo sure sure or also something sitting completely in the dark backlit backlit also summoning window. summoning a trooper to tell them that they're not in command instead of telling them to muster with whoever they're under their direct command where you know he would be called to cody and cody would tell yeah. him that he's on mission now i'm just <laughs> this, noticing this, this is now, very strange i'm just spotting this now but if you notice his desk the semicircular desk the cutouts yeah. mirror the imperial, imperial. logo yeah mm-hmm. Well, technically, yeah. I guess it's the Republic logo before it was corrupted. Mm. True. It just seems like this is personal, like to, to call him directly. Like, he, well, we know he's got a thing against clones, right? He started. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 But, so it seems weirdly personal. Like, uh, come on in. Uh, no, you're not in command. In fact, you know. Well, the next line that he throws across here, here kind of seals that. We're putting the data pad down and looking up at him. Rampart arrogantly remarks, left for dead, and yet you still came back. Why? Crosshair tells him because he's a soldier of the Empire. Rampart says his loyalty is commendable, and as such, he has a mission for him on the planet Desix. Crosshair asks for his orders, and Rampart tells him that the newly appointed Imperial Governor has been taken hostage by insurgents demanding that Desix be recognized as an independent planet. Rampart tells Crosshair that the Empire does not negotiate and that he's being sent in under the guise of a diplomatic resolution. But once on the ground, he is to do whatever is necessary to secure the city and Governor Groton's release. When Crosshair asks what squad he'll be leading, Rampart laughs at him as he says, you're not ready to play commander again. Play commander. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Then picking up the data pad from the desk, he tells Crosshair that his new commander will brief him and that he's to report to the battle memorial at 0900 hours. Rampart then dismisses Crosshair and goes back to studying the data pad. All right. Before you go ranting. <sighs> okay, you go. Seem- you go. Go ahead, Hank. But overkill, definitely. Like for the mission on paper, for the mission on paper, Cody yeah. and Crosshair is crazy amount of overkill. Yeah, this is him flexing his authority. Like he treats him like you know, it didn't matter if you came back or not. Right? It's like why did you bother to come back? I think the term uh, um, in villainy, I would say, uh, call it plaything. Yes. Rampart treats him like a plaything, like, oh, no, absolutely. you're interesting to watch. Oh, you survived that? Let's see if you can do this one. Yeah. yeah. And I'll just keep, you know. He seems to give him a, an order that subverts Cody's command anyway. You know, knowing yeah. like, you know. Once you're on the ground, Cody's do whatever. Tri- right, exactly. Yeah. So you report directly to me, even though you report to him. It seems like he's unleashing a weapon. Like, What's interesting is when we, but when we actually get to it, that's actually one thing that I thought was really well done is that, you know, in spite of everything that Crosshair has done, the way that the mission is carried out minus the, the very end state 
um, shows us that Crosshair is still quite capable of functioning as part of a team. Yeah. And he, he, in his brain, the Empire's good, right? Yeah. And that goes for a whole lot of the other clones, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, any more for any more before I get on to the next bit? No, bring it on. Now, kids, it's time for another Wes rant. (laughs) (laughs) What's your rank? (laughs) Okay. Before I get to that, I do want to just point out, just remind everybody, we are somewhere between the end of 19 BBY or the beginning of 18 BBY. So that, that tells us that the empire may have started planting Imperial governors almost right after the war, right after the war. Mm -hmm. What I'm about to complain about might actually be a deliberate choice given how young the empire is at this point. And after we talked about it and I went completely like, I thought about it. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've sort of come full circle, but I'm going to, let's walk through it here. I want to chew on this whole, uh, Imperial governors versus military. Um, are they in the military? Are they not in the military? And I want to use some examples of things that we've already seen to sort of highlight that. Well, the canon entry for, uh, governors on uh, the Wikipedia. Now, before you go off on the Wikipedia, I know more than anybody else that that is not a scholarly source when it comes to Star Wars. Anybody can edit it. I've edited. I I know how this works. Mm-hmm. That being said, it is the most accessible, and generally speaking, it is um, fairly accurate. A good tool. Absolutely, it is. Yeah. And all you have when Pablo Hidalgo won't tweet you back. True. Well, that's absolutely true. Come on, Pablo. The canon entry for governors on the Wikipedia says that they are high-ranking political uh, leaders that can wear a uniform. Can wear a uniform. doesn't say they have to. It says they can. Which is interesting because when you go back to the Legends entry, in Legends it talks about most of the galaxy did not actually have a shift in, uh, in governance on the planets themselves. They just woke up one morning, okay, you're part of the Empire. Right. But the locals that were doing the jobs, the civilian po- political leadership on the ground, a lot of that didn't change. Hmm. It didn't change. Unless, of course, you had something like, in this case, Desix, where we have to install someone because they just won't go for it. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> the uniform that they can wear, they may wear the standard gray imperial military uniform like governor price here of Lothal. now granted that's like five years before the battle of yavin so that's that's sort of that's future that's future governor yeah yeah and she's another i would say another case of the two original governor so you know uh now i'm blowing names here but the the two original governors of Lothal. sure you know the first one being basically a rebel being they were civilians Right. And being replaced by a civilian imperial sympathizer who then when yeah. turned coat replaced with a, a high ranking officer, U- uniformed person. Right. So still called a governor. Right. Sort of different, though, t- to me, than a low ranking governor who may have been appointed a military right. position while being a native of that planet, except, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. I do. Like, these are all the same questions that I have. It really boils down to like, where does the governorship fit within the Imperial hierarchy? Really the, the, the most basic question here is are governors 
do they hold actual rank? Are they part of the military or are they more akin to say our governor general here in Canada, who no, is exactly. the link to the, to the monarchy who w- can wear a military uniform and has an honorary rank. It's an I honorific think, thing. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, and and so honorific. we can easily just take, you know, empire and make it England and make the emperor, the queen. And yeah. so the governor of Lothal is the, emperor's representative you know and if the original governor of lothal is submissive or carries out you know isn't a a, a boat rocker then that that yep. never has yep. to change you don't ever have to waste any effort but in the case of lothal which becomes like a rebel hotbed and becomes a real problem for even uh, you know uh, admirals like thrawn then you're going to yep. appoint a, a crazy high level uh person in that position who will do what you need them to do right right Absolutely. another so, comment from facebook coming in tonight saying uh, military regime kind of like north korea i don't know enough about north korea like it's not it's not unheard of that the political leaders are the the de facto leaders of their country's military um i mean let's just use the example let's hit it the nail on the head we're talking space nazis here so i mean Adolf Hitler wore a military uniform. He was his commander in chief. Yeah. Right. Is that the case here? I, I don't know. I don't know. So the, the, the entry goes on to say you can wear the standard gray uniform like price. You may also choose to wear the all white uniform that governor, uh, Ubrick Aldehard of Anuat chooses to wear. Now here's the thing. It also says that when you uh, have a governor who wears a uniform that the governors are given a rank plaque and the rank plaque consists of a row of six blue pips over a row of three red and three yellow pips. Well, that's consistent here, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So they are, you know, according to the, what we've read in Wikipedia, these guys fit the bill of governor. Yeah. All right. Our incoming guy, however. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that lines up with, uh, and that's going to be a whole other thing I'm going to talk about at the end of this, but you're right. We get our next guy. We get Groton. Here comes Groton, who is identified as a governor. What's maybe, going on there? Maybe he just didn't get it yet. Low-ranking governor. This is early on in the empire. Is this a just a... It's a nascent government. I know it's the... Essentially, it's the... Or a remnant of the Republic who's since loyal to Palpatine. Is, like he is basically the military guy coming in and maybe they're just not giving it to him until he fulfills getting it done. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay. You a, go establish your government and then we'll give you your, then rank. we'll give you, oh, do we have know. a slide of the, of the, the old West end games, Imperial <laughs> ranking? Like I'd be curious. I, to didn't, see I, I didn't put it in there. What um, that six and uh, the, the blue, red, yellow in the six and three, three combination was under yeah, that you know because yeah. i i i wager especially in light well, of, in the of i'll this. tell you right now hank that one's easy the 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 six blue over three red three yellow that's grand moff that's what Perfect. it is grand Perfect. moff well so that it makes sense to me that governor is uh an honorific and if you happen to be a grand moff you're a very high level governor and you're going yeah. to get something like lothal or okay, coruscant or something yeah, yeah but if you were just a you know desic shouldn't present any problem the, look at the contingent they sent with this guy to secure an entire planet. A handful Almost of stormtroopers. Yeah, yeah, they didn't yeah. expect uh, any resistance. 
what amounts to a, a squad or two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that doesn't require a moth yet. No. So that, I think, I think that's kind of where I, my head is at with it. Okay. That's fair. Well, listen, while we're here, I want to put that up against, because now we're talking about people who are, who are honorifically part of the mil, uh, or honorifically uh, assigned rank. That's not to be confused with some of the other things we've seen before, like an Imperial prefect of which who is just kind of given the title. Uh, well, that's, so this is the, the reverse of that prefects. Oh boy, here we go. <laughs> he asked for that title, didn't he? Can he asked, prefect? he asked, can I be the prefect? And they gave it to him. Sure. Now, by definition, a prefect might, uh, is a person, uh, a high ranking official who may in this case perform all of the political duties and functions of a governor, but they're not actually a governor. <laughs> Instead, they act as the liaison to the actual government. Now, in the case of imperial prefects, they were actual military officers that held actual military rank, as exemplified by Captain Tigo here on the planet Ferrix in 5 BBY. But we also met the ISB agents that were in, in control of those sectors. That's right. The sector you know, so heads, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sector heads, governors. There's um, such a convoluted... Ministers, magistrates were, you know, uh, there's probably a lot of terminology here that needs to be maybe... But again, like like we said in the chat, like we do talk yeah. about this stuff when you guys aren't around. Like we said in the chat, though, um, space wizards with laser swords. Well, yeah. uh, are we, <laughs> are are we, we overthinking it? jam convention into some <laughs> hole that doesn't... You know, I, I honestly don't think we are for a ride. I think that that this aspect of Star Wars has become so bloated from the amount of legends material that there is no clean way uh, to 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 like excise it and then say, okay, we're going to rebuild it from the bottom up and we're mm -hmm. going to make it make sense. Because right now, it kind of makes sense, but it kind of doesn't. <laughs> well. This isn't the thing that made me the most angry in the episode. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, we're going to get to that as well. Mm -hmm. By the way, I did go back after we talked and I had a look at uh, Tarkin mm -hmm. and this convention of lower uh, rank plaques. Um, look at Tarkin in 19 BBY. His rank plaque is reversed. It's red over blue, which is consistent right. with Groton. He just has a lot more pips. Right. By the time we get to zero BBY, he has attained the rank of Grand Moff. But then why don't they call Price a Grand Moff, right? Like, you know, it's just like, ugh. The title they choose to go by. Right. Okay. Now that I've had that and I've gotten it out, um, I'm going to let it go now. All right. <laughs> Sorry. Thank you for entertaining me on that. Oh, good. Got a comment coming in from Toy Connections. Uh, Ken over at Toy Connections, he says, oh, I still got to finish episode three, but it's nice to see, spoiler alert, a certain commander oh, and a certain cross-haired sniper. Nice. Follow-up comment, Harry Potter also had prefects. Yeah, yeah, I guess they did, didn't they? They did. All right, getting back to the actual episode. <laughs> uh, well, later on, Crosshair stands in front of the memorial wall. Located in the plaza outside of Imperial Headquarters, uh, the Imperial Headquarters complex, the wall is an enormous red slab of stone 
inscribed with the designations of all of the fallen clones from the first battle of Geonosis. Or so we're told. The wall was actually carved out of a stone spire taken from Geonosis. And the monument is flanked by two monolithic uh, spires with giant clone trooper statues who are standing at attention on all four sides. Crosshair watches as squads of troops march past, and then a lone clone commander calls him by name as he approaches. Taking off his helmet, it's Commander Cody, and he greets Crosshair with, it's been a while. Nice to see you. Crosshair says that he didn't recognize him. And uh, Cody says, well, a lot has changed. He also says that when he found out Crosshair was cleared for duty, he requested him specifically. You wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> See if there was something special about them. Clone Force. Oh, maybe boys. it could be that simple. Could be that simple. Uh, Crosshair tells Cody he's lucky he was available. <laughs> That's a, that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and Cody shrugs it off and says, there's a rumor that the rest of clone force 99 has gone rogue or went rogue after order 66. Crosshair asks if Cody's surprised by that. And uh, Cody says, well, not really noting how that clone force 99 was different by design. But then Crosshair makes a revealing statement when he says that regular clones have been going a wall too. As Cody looks at the wall, he tells Crosshair that rumors suggest more and more clones have been questioning Order 66. And Crosshair declares them traitors. And he adds, like the Jedi. Raising his eyebrows, Cody tells Crosshair, good soldiers follow orders. Then he and Crosshair head out to board a nearby shuttle. All right. <laughs> Are you ready for the next one? I know this. You've been waiting for this one, Hank. Uh, I don't, uh, man. Yeah, do it. Sure. We, yeah. we translate an awful lot of Orbesh, uh, since we started doing this show now. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's really disappointing to know that, uh, compl uh, Andy compliments my hat off to you, sir, for taking the slide and actually highlighting what the Orbesh actually says. Guys, it's gibberish. It is. It's it is. complete and utter garbage. It says absolutely nothing. The only, th there are repeating patterns, but it's yeah. only because whoever was typing it was working on a QWERTY. They keyboard. were just using the same keystrokes. Yeah. So they'd be like, Doo -doo 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 -doo. that's possibly my biggest beef with the whole thing. First because of all, come on. <laughs> a memorial, it should read like it shows on the bottom. Uh, well, that's, so that's first of all, that's, that's so disrespectful. It's so disrespectful to to people in the military, to people we've lost in, in in wars all over the real world. I find that crazy disrespectful. We're to basically take, looking at to not take the time, um, to put some thought into it. To put considering little, the amount of detail they dump into the rest of it, I would have accepted exactly. Look what we did in five minutes, world. Like, like not five minutes, Andy. I'm not trying to downplay nah, it was about five minutes. <laughs> right. Like, so if we can do that, well, I don't under, like this one boggles my mind. Um, you, you it take just, the time to, to, to throw, you know, the happy the happy Wampa on bars in, in some of the live right. action series, right. You take the time to put an ER sign or a wet, uh, you know, blue you milk know, available. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Right. Jawa juice here. Yeah, bantha meat or uh, something. Gungan snacks. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, 
I know to the average person, it's not going to take anything away from the power of this, this, the scene and, and especially no. the power of the bookends of these scenes after before and after the mission. But this really, really turns my lightsaber off. I, I, I expect a lot more um, from, from these creators. Um, yep. Yep. Uh, I might, I can't let go, Dave, what are you doing? I can't blame any one person, but honestly, the fact that we, we, we see the repeating patterns of concentric letters on a keyboard means that they typed it out on a keyboard in an Orobesh font. They yep. didn't even have to yep. work that hard to do it. So would it killed them to have a few CTs and a few numbers or a few? Well, in- this is, this is what I was, this is what I thought. I'm like, again, we translate a lot of Orobesh and even I, at a glance, look at that wall and go, where are all the CT numbers? Like the, it should be, you know, at the very least CT, 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 like number after number after number. And it's not. And I'm like, no, well, that early in the clone program, first of all, names like Cody amongst the clones, those are, those are affectations. Those are names given to each other by the clones. They're not officially recognized names. No. And on an official monument like this, they would have their designations. Like Krell, we're refusing to call them by their colloquial Krell, Yeah. 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 Or Rampart at the end of this episode. Right. Right. I just I, I I expect I expect better from these guys because they never they fail to disappoint a lot and uh, um I am disappointed and on the uh, back who am end I? of the uh, who am the I but, but on I the back end of the rank thing people. like again this to me feels like another thing where they've written themselves into a corner because the the legends lore is so deep I mean you couldn't possibly there there's a real risk if you just handed it off to somebody who's let's say I'm the guy that works on the show that does backgrounds and you give me this as a project and you don't give me a, a, a list of yes. Like a living clones versus exactly. There's a real risk that I'm going to like list clones who are still alive yeah. or you know what? They might have plans for specific clones. And so we can't list them because now you've made them dead. <laughs> I mean, I would, as a, as a canon nut, I would have accepted a few clones I knew weren't dead on there. Rather sure. than absolute gibberish. Well, judging from the first two episodes, right? They do believe Clone Force ninety nine is dead. So technically, those you could have put numbers those, could have yeah. on there. Yeah, yeah. But, you could have. Yep. You very much could have. You know, I started going. Is there a code? Could they? You know, because what do we say all the time, guys? And this this is the one no of the mistakes. first times. Well, yeah, no, everything is, is intentional. Everything is intentional. Everything's on purpose. And then you find out, like uh, Gilroy is not interested in Easter eggs, but that the that the, the crew went in and made, you know, the Calicari did it anyway. The crew went in and put a, a Jedi uh, temple guard mask in the background. Yeah. Where's the, where are those same, where's that same energy? Where's, where's the guy staying up till two in the morning, typing out every clone name that he can yeah. think of. Yeah. It, I just, I expect better. And it maybe, maybe I'm being a little bit critical. This one, this one really <laughs> chafes me, man. That being said, it does. It, it does the impact of the scene though. Like as I was about, I was going to say earlier, we're essentially looking at the, the star Wars equivalent of the Vietnam Memorial. Yeah. This is, is also known at. as the, the first battle Memorial. It's the, yep. it's the wall commemorating every clone lost at Geonosis. Geonosis. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Ahsoka runs across it when she's escaping the, uh, from prison. Oh, when she's running the, from, uh, yeah. Being episode, taken, uh, right, or season right. five there when, after the, uh, charged with, uh, yeah, that's right. 
Well, anyway, as we said, that there it is. There, there is the gibberish actually translated into English, and of course, um, our what we would imagine it to to look like with a bunch of uh, CT numbers, CCs, clone commanders, clone lieutenants, clone sergeants, and and clone troopers. Yeah. So yeah, uh, who knows? Maybe the maybe it is a case of it is intentional that way, so that the you know no number is off the table that we can use those characters for future yeah future projects, and it means that we don't have to come up with a bunch of numbers for clones that are ostensibly uh, a one-off. Yeah, it means that they're not ready for podcasts as deep as us that would go <laughs> hey what are you doing you should see the math we do dave filoni <laughs> you should see the math we do. is there a possibility this is just a reused asset from that that's entirely possible too back so i watched that recently because i was thinking that but we don't get anything near the face this. Of it. clear yeah. i would call this the hero shot of the wall yeah so if you yeah. ever had a chance to correct anything like like this is you know what i mean um yeah you know there's you know, very few i'll say something very were... very uh r- racy for me i'll say oh, sure. you know, if 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 this was a klingon memorial star trek mm. would put every name you know yeah you know what yeah, i mean i do they, they wouldn't drop that ball and i i i, I don't i don't know how to say that uh, there'd have been about 14 okudograms in there man <laughs> those who know know next wall i want to see it baby all right well, as the shuttle streaks through hyperspace, uh, Cody briefs Crosshair and the other clone troops on the tactical situation. He tells them that uh, separatist insurgents with a battalion of battle droids have taken over the city and they're holding Governor Groton hostage. Now, one of the CT uh, troopers, uh, clone troopers, questions battle droids, asking, uh, didn't they receive the shutdown order? And Crosshair tells them they could have been reprogrammed. Cody concludes the briefing by telling them that the insurgents are expecting a diplomatic envoy, so they should be able to catch them by surprise, wipe out the droids, and rescue the governor. Um, that's a pretty tall order uh, for one squad to fill when you uh, are talking battalions worth of uh, enemy troops, but hey, we've seen them do more with less. Mm-hmm. It's true. Okay. I guess maybe that's explains why they sent two of the biggest guns in their arsenal but it still Maybe. seems like i guess Maybe. they do have a, a lot of advanced recon here they seem to know what they're coming again up against so but they've still it's been clouded for them right yeah like they're not technically insurgents they're just locals that's true and yet they're being colored as you know the enemy. i mean from the i mean from the the government's perspective yeah they're, yeah they're, uh, yeah, that's, yeah yeah from a certain we point could, of view well yeah we yeah, could yeah. do a whole <laughs> yes sir <laughs> the rebellion are the terrorists of the you know, galaxy true well dropping out of hyperspace the shuttle approaches desix and the pilot makes a formal request to enter desix airspace his calm ch- uh, chirps a moment later and a droid like voice answers granted you are cleared for approach Another comment coming in from Facebook. They also don't care about clones. Well, that's the thing. Palpatine is the orchestrator of both sides. He didn't view droids as different than clones at all. They're kind of the same thing, really. What he doesn't account for, and what I think we're where this we're heading, especially in terms of this episode, uh, is the the Legends clone revolt that we got. You know, in all the uh, yeah, right. 
and I mean, the, the, that's, the, that was the, the part of the, kinda... right, right. And that's the part of the, the contingency plan that Palpatine could control is that their free will would return. Yeah. Uh, and so, but they're viewed exactly the same in terms of, uh, you know, the major powers in the galaxy. They're like, they're disposable. They're, the resource. they're biological droids, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. And we've already yeah. seen in season one, what they did to the droids. Like all the conveyor belts melting them down. Yes, we did. Yeah, we saw them. Yeah, they would just grind these guys. Whatever is uh, out in the galaxy is what's out there. Yeah. 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 The droid foundries were squashed. All right. Well, inside the Citadel, uh, Governor Groton struggles against his bonds. Uh, He's in binders, by the way. (laughs) While two battle droids stand guard over him, he orders the droids to release him. And they tell him that the governor has told them to keep a close eye on him. But he shouts, I am the legitimate governor, calling the droid a scrap heap. Just then, Tawny Ames enters the room and tells Groton that he'll have his freedom when Desix has theirs. Groton refutes her, saying that the Empire will never agree to her terms. And Ames knows this because she tells him that she knows the diplomatic envoy that they're sending is what she would call anything but peaceful. Well, they're showing up in an attack shuttle. Oh, that's the <laughs> uh, general purpose too. Come on, come on. Got got <laughs> well, do they by this point? They should. We haven't seen them yet at this point. Mm. In in the timeline, we actually haven't seen lambdas yet. Fair enough. The new class is the is still the the nu new nu new is still mm-hmm. the newest, I guess. Well, Tawny removes her helmet and staring down at the restrained Imperial tells him that Count Dooku was right in how he predicted the coming of the Galactic Empire. Dooku knew that the Republic would fall and become something worse. Groton tells her the Separatists lost that war. and She'll lose here as well. A lot of Dooku in the zeitgeist lately, eh? Mm-hmm. Yep. Absolutely. After going, especially because we were late to review tales and that was sort of the, for mm-hmm. me, it was the arc that I was most interested in. Yeah. Um, it stands out to, to Talking to our friend of the show, Doug outside uh, in our own chat. Yeah. You know, he, he was quick to point out how, when we first meet Dooku, he's going after a corrupt governor who's stealing from his people. And then right. when we, we catch up with Sereno in the last episode, he became, what, is, he was, he what, he became what he was trying to stop. It's kind of yeah. poetic. It is. It is kind of weird that like, even on planets like this, you don't see any sort of uh, posters or propaganda like Dooku was right. Oh, that's yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I could see that being a poster for sure. Well, from high up in a window in the Citadel, a tactical droid, observes the Imperial shuttle on approach through a pair of macro binoculars. Radioing the governor, uh, the droid tells her that the shuttle is in range. Down below, Governor Ames responds with, let's welcome them, shall we? Then, resting her hand on the blaster pistol on her hip, she tells Groton that it looks like the envoy has chosen not to negotiate and calls (laughs) it unfortunate for him. With an uneasy expression, Groton looks up as Tawny Ames puts on her helmet and leaves the room. It's an interesting choice. They've chosen not to negotiate. Because that's were short. <laughs> <laughs> she actually thinks that she can hold out. Yeah. That's that's a very bold move. And I, I applaud her for that. But like, woman, why? Why? <laughs> anyway. 
Outside, as the shuttle closes in on final approach, the tactical droid orders an airstrike team in place. Then six battle droids armed with rocket launchers take up firing positions on the Citadel wall and unleash a hail of anti-air missiles. At the same time, an AAT hover tank supported by droid infantry deploys outside the Citadel gate. Uh, inside the tank, we can actually see the uh, the targeting display there, and the Orbesh translates as enemy target. One of the missiles strikes the shuttle's starboard wing, and as alarms blare in the cockpit, the pilot declares they've been hit. Then the tank targets them with two quick successive blasts from the main cannon, and the shuttle crashes down on the plateau furthest away from the Citadel's protective walls. Standing on the tank's turret, the commander calls it, Nice shot! At the same time, Governor Ames joins the tactical droid in the upper level. The droid tells her that the ship has been neutralized and crashed in Sector 5. Then Ames orders for scouts to search for any survivors. Did you like my droid impression? Yeah, <laughs> bad. Roger, Roger. Not at all. It was, it was horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. Doing good. <laughs> but at the same time, right? Oh, yeah. Um, she's probably still approaching this from uh, a point where, okay, yeah, they weren't going to negotiate, but they're not here to kill us. Oh, she thinks that the Empire is actually an organization she can negotiate with. Yeah. Because, oh, like, that's we're, an we're still thought, yeah. so far beyond it yet. Like, he hasn't really tried to bring the galaxy to heel yet. We're only months after the, yeah, the, the boot has not yeah. dropped yet. Oh, that's it true. really yeah, doesn't drop till after Aldani either. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which is yeah. like five years before Yavin. So, right. So they, you still got 15 years of them playing nice. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, or and, feign, and definitely feigning not, nice, feigning nice, especially yeah, but yeah. not with, not with separatist worlds, obviously, but no, you know, with the Republic ones. Right. So to think that she could have, you know, held out much longer had she just said, okay. And then she could have tried to do something subversive from within, but oh, well, not meant to be, nope. not meant to be at the crash site. Uh, where am I here? I'm on uh, 20, 24. Let's move ahead one. Nope. I'm not. Am I there yet? Where am I? I don't know. I'm supposed to be on 24, but I think I might've, did I pooch a number? I open the window, uh, puts the helmet, leaves the room, shuttle, droids, rockets, they crash, and 24. Oh, okay. for survivors. Uh, as it leaves the room, scout for any survivors. Okay, that's where we were. Yeah. And they just stroll on up. My lord, sorry about that. That's all good. Mm-hmm. At the crash site, a small contingent of droids approaches the wreckage of the shuttle. One of them pries down the boarding ramp, revealing at least one dead clone inside. Taking a knee, the droid radios in that uh, there are no survivors and the tactical droid orders them back to the Citadel. Was it just me or did you halfway think that that one droid was about to crush the other with the door? Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just for a comedy beat. But Oh, Doug's watching tonight and he's uh, got a comment for us. He says, people might not know what the Empire is. There is still a Senate at this point. Yes, True. there is. Uh, and there will be. Well, right up until zero BBY, technically. Well, until yeah. it gets dissolved. Until Tarkin makes yeah. his line. And yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So another 19, 18, 19 years of that. Mm-hmm. Good point. All right. Um, as the droid begins to file out, uh, blaster fire suddenly erupts from the smoking wreckage, and the droids are rapidly picked off before they can react. 
out of the smoke comes Crosshair and Cody, and they move in to secure the scene. Now, without their ship, they have to continue the mission on foot, and Cody remarks that the surviving members of the squad are too injured to continue. But Crosshair says he's beaten clankers with far less than they have now. Lowering the rangefinder on his helmet, Crosshair observes the defenses just outside the Citadel. Seeing the tank that brought them down, he remarks, first things first. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Helm's Deep here. Uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure it does. <laughs> and again, we're getting that uh, clone death count. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one for sure. Yep. Pilot, probably two. Yeah. There's more than that for sure there is. At the base of the ramp leading up to the Citadel, Cody, Crosshair, and the remaining able-bodied troopers take cover behind a building. Cody looks up the ramp through binoculars and groaning uh, says there just isn't enough cover that any move they make would get them picked off by the tank. Well, Crosshair looks down his rifle scope as he tells Cody that uh, the droid tanks, these droid tanks all have the same weakness. It's the droids that operate them. He says that he'll draw their fire while Cody and the others move in. Then Cody signals the squad to move out as he says to Crosshair, you do make things interesting. Then he and the squad dart across the road and they take cover in one of the sunken crop fields. Standing up, standing up, because that's what a sniper is supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Standing up, Crosshair takes aim and he, he begins to, to well, that's true. He does want to get noticed. So good for him for doing that. He stands up, takes aim, and begins laying down harassing fire to get the droid's attention. He strikes the hull of the tank a couple of times before the droid commander spots him and calls a bearing out to the gunner. But the bearing is off, and the blast from the main cannon falls short and to the right of Crosshair. Dirt flies all around him, but he doesn't budge from his firing position. He fires two more harassing shots, and the tank adjusts its cannon again as the turret traverses a little more in his direction. Then a second tank round goes long, and this time Crosshair adjusts his scope as he waits for the droids to depress the barrel low enough to make the shot. And then, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. One front, one behind, and he doesn't flinch. No, absolutely. And then they do. Crosshair lets loose a spectacular single shot straight down the barrel of the tank, causing a catastrophic explosion. Kaboom. And I, I buy that one. Yeah, I actually. Buy that one. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. going to say right before the next one. Watch this. <laughs> you think that was impressive? That's a warm up shot. <laughs> one handed blindfolded riding a horse backwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with the tank neutralized, Cody and the squad begin moving up the ramp. Crosshair drops his rangefinder again and he spots more droid troops moving out from the main gate while uh, additional droids armed with rocket launchers move up to the edge of the battlements. Cody and the squad move up to the tank, hoping to use the wreckage for cover, but the droids fire more rockets down on their position, killing a few more of the clones. Crosshair takes out a few droids at the Citadel Gate before rushing to a better position where he could focus on the rocket troops on the wall. One of the clones tosses a grenade, destroying the droids on the ramp, which allows Cody and a few of the squad to advance. Meanwhile, Crosshair moves through the lower part of the city as he crosses some of the crop fields. 
at the base of the Citadel wall, Cody and the others attach uh, cable dispensers to their rifles and then zip line themselves to the top of the gate. Ascension guns. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) One of the squad drops an ion grenade, which shorts out several of the defending droids. And before they drop, sorry, shorts out several of the defending droids before they drop down on the other side to open the gate. Now, with the gate wide open, Crosshair and the rest of the squad link up with Cody, and the commander praises the sniper for his shot down the barrel, calling it, nice touch. Crosshair reports back that the droids are moving in coordinated waves, and he asserts that there has to be a tactical droid somewhere that's giving them orders. So Cody decides they actually need to split up the droid forces, and to do so, that means splitting up themselves. So he orders two clones, Weiler and Nova, to go with him and Crosshair um, to the north axis, while the rest of the squad will form a second team and they will move to the south. Um, It's really, really subtle here. uh, And if you're not looking for it, you might miss it. But Cody actually looks at each guy as he addresses them. And Weiler is the clone carrying the flamethrower. Hmm but I didn't get that right away. I had to go back and watch it a few times. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did he just, Oh, okay. Weiler and Nova are new clone names that we've actually never uh, heard before. Certainly not in connection to uh, clone troopers. However, there are at least two other uses of the word Nova in relation to troopers within star Wars in general. Uh, one of them is the uh, 21st Nova Corps also known as the Galactic Marines. This is the clone unit led by uh, Jedi Master Kiari Mundi on uh, Magito. Their armor, of course, uh, goes on to become the progenitor of the uh, Imperial Snowtrooper armor. Hmm. The other reference uh, is a Legends reference, and that is the Imperial Nova-class Stormtrooper, also just called the Nova Trooper introduced in the uh in star wars galaxies the the big mmo my favorite star wars video game of all time by the way nova troopers were uh, highly trained and specialized stormtroopers that often guarded uh, places and things of personal importance to the emperor mm. like his home world of naboo that's interesting um do i think that nova uh nova our guy here is related to either of these probably not but if i had to if i had to pick one i suppose it's possible that he could have been reassigned from the galactic marines and just kept the name true maybe i don't know i guess i'm stretching at it but anyway there's your nova reference (laughs) from the window at the top of the citadel tawny aims and her tactical droid watch uh, as the clones uh, split up and start to push forward the tactical droid recommends something called protocol four and the governor tells the droid to see it through while she goes to secure Groton. Down in the city, uh, citizens continue to flee for cover as armed battle droids patrol the streets. A door slides open, and the clones shoot up a droid patrol before they move out into a small plaza. Weiler and Nova go up a set of stairs while Crosshair and Cody secure the plaza from below. Then a woman and her son are startled when they open their door. Uh, which also leads out to the plaza, and they are met by Cody and Crosshair with their rifles leveled at them. Crosshair keeps his weapon trained on the boy, but Cody immediately lowers his rifle and tells the woman they're here to help. 
the woman doesn't answer. Instead, she just glowers at them and she drags her son back inside and slams the door shut. Um, Crosshair, that's a kid, man. Mm. Put your freaking gun down. Oh, well, I mean, <laughs> when they were, uh, that Saw Gerrera mission from season seven. Yeah. Or yeah, no, yeah. that was uh, that was actually last season, bad batch, wasn't it? Uh, season it one, was yeah. bad batch season one. Yeah, uh, he he was about Men, to kill women, an old lady. Yeah, well, it doesn't matter. He's just doing his job. And listen, I'll I'll say this: uh, the real world experience um, when you're uh, um, when you're uh, in enemy territory, anybody can has the potential to be the enemy, and anybody that's old enough uh, to pick up a weapon and use one should sometimes be treated like they have one. True. So. He's not necessarily wrong. It just kind of flies in the, uh, on the scope of morality that we've had seven seasons of clone wars to become accustomed to. Right. Well, we, and we spent time with, you know, a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Rex and Cody are, are the, the moralist of morals, you know? Yeah, Um, exactly. You've got a broad spectrum of different, you know, like, uh, you know, fives uh, unprecedented morality there, you know, so we've spent a lot of time with those guys, but if there's a hundred thousand clones out there, you're going to have a few bad eggs, one per batch. Maybe we, <laughs> we certainly spent time talking about that last season, about the, the spectrum as it were that, yeah. you know, like crosshair, surely to God, other clones out there believe in the empire. No, right. You can't be 100%. the only one. And if yeah. you if you if you if you believe in the empire, then doing questionable things for the, in the name good. of the empire isn't necessarily your problem. Yeah, yeah. it's you're just doing your job as far as you're concerned. And if anybody's doing their job to the letter, it's crosshair. Yeah, yeah, he is absolutely is. Doug says uh, for the first time, I didn't want the clones to win. Oh. You know, well, it's definitely the first hit to Cody. Yeah. Like, yeah. To be there, like, I'm here to help you. And they're just absolute fear. It's yeah. Like, no, no, you're yeah. not here to help me. You're here to kill me. A separatist world, though, right? Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. I mean, the Republic was the enemy. I'm sure Thank to you. the average citizen, the clones were scary. You know, it's absolutely even more imperial rhetoric, too. Yeah. Like, peace and justice. He's going to start talking like Anakin. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's towing the party line as well but he still is. i mean he's this is the thing we and we don't want to get too far off the rails here but this is the thing about the we talked about the mechanism of order 66 and 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 we know that um at least once in canon another person has activated it in clones so yes um, that's right it's it's yeah. a phrase and it's akin to MK Ultra programming, you know that. You know, yeah, whether, yeah. You know whether that's a conspiracy or not. Like you know, uh, catcher in the rye, and then you you go and try to impress Jodie Foster. Well, um, even even real world uh, sleeper agents, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. And so, um, but the idea that it wears off, the idea that your your morality and you know, and then picture a guy that we know to be forthright and upstanding like cody and how he deals with the fact that he tried to kill obi-wan as soon as it's another jedi or you're as, right like as soon as it's uttered he acts without any compunction he's like yep okay that's what we're doing right and if there's any part of what caused rex to to 
be outside his program. It might have been just because Ahsoka was a child. Um, so can we just uh, just for a second, Hank? Because I I don't recall now. Cody showed up in the Clone Wars, but the Clone Wars happens before Order sixty six. Do we know? Right. Is there a is there a comic reference for Cody that kind of just like where he's been, what he's been up to since the last time we saw him? No, all we have is the rumor. Yeah, that he was cut from the script of the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. Yeah. Yeah. I did. He, I did read that. And that's, that's the only other sort of post. So this is Sith. our first canonical look at Cody since we saw him. Since in, we saw him shooting at Obi-Wan. At Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Isn't that something? But I mean, it's, it's, it's important that it wears off. And that your memories and morality return, whatever they were before. Whatever it was before the, the lead up to. We had a big conversation about this privately, and, and we came to the revelation that, and we've chewed on Order 66 before that, you know, is it, how did they get? I think we all agreed that at least on some level, the highest level commanders got it directly by radio. Yeah. Right. That information was disseminated through the chain of command to the rank and file. Right that tells us something quite clearly that order 66 was not keyed to emperor Palpatine's voice. So that also tells us that it wasn't the transmission. It's the reception. So it is whatever is biologically built into their brain to receive it. Yeah. And when, uh, the, the Jedi, I can't recall his name, but when the Jedi that does it to the clones turns them on Vader, they, yeah. all, they see a lightsaber and a force user and they don't care that he's Sith or Jedi. That's right. They, they just are compelled. Vader, They're right? compelled, yeah. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. And as far as the Imperial lie goes, this is the first tug at that thread for him. Mm, yeah, yeah. And it, you know, coming unraveled. Well, the mother and the son, uh, as they shut, uh, pull back into the building, no sooner does the door shut, we start to hear what sounds like rattling chains off in the distance. And, uh, yeah, um, rolling thunder. It mm-hmm. is the sound of destroyer droids rolling in. And, uh, one of them springs out from behind Weiler and Nova having nearly run them over. Unfortunately, neither of them can get their weapons to bear before the Droidica starts unloading on them. And Weiler is cut down almost immediately. Well, Nova beats a hasty retreat down the stairs as a pair of B one battle droids on the rooftops begin firing down. Meanwhile, at street level, Cody and Crosshair. Sorry, wasn't Weiler the one with the flamethrower? Yep. Okay. That... And he's he's killed. Okay, so yeah. somebody picked that up on the way through. Just we'll see that later, right? What do you mean? The flamethrower. Squad two. Never mind. I'll never mind. That's uh, squad two. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Weiler Weiler uh, Weiler does not make it. <laughs> sorry, Weiler. No, oh, it's okay. At street level, Cody and Crosshair return fire, dropping the two battle droids. Uh, that were on the roof, but three more file in to uh, fill that gap. Crosshair orders Nova to hit the destroyer uh, with a popper, but the grenade bounces harmlessly off the destroyer shields. And uh, when the dust from the explosion settles, the droid rolls itself back up into a ball and it uh, barrels down the stairs and springs back open at the bottom to continue its barrage. Did we not spend, we spent a whole episode in the clone wars, uh, 
teaching guys how to throw grenades so that they could roll through the shields. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. The saw, they were the teaching these. They were teaching Saw's Rebels, yeah. How, yeah. how to throw grenades at them. That's Apparently right. that lesson did not make it down uh, the ranks all the way. That was a tough toss. He tossed it up over a wall on, from a set of stairs. That was okay, tough I'll, I'll give you that one. I'll get yeah. it. It wasn't crosshair throwing. <laughs> no, that's true. Well, Crosshair and Cody back away from the uh, Destroyer, and uh, Crosshair has manages to take out another B1 that has crept up on the rooftops on the opposite side of the street. And then uh, both the clones, he and uh, Cody, are suppressed by the Destroyer, and they're forced into cover, and they press themselves against the wall. Meanwhile, Nova, who had hunkered down at the bottom of the stairs, he actually starts shooting at the back of the Destroyer. Of course, the blasts don't penetrate the droid shield, but it is enough to get its attention and forces it to want to reposition itself again. Only this time, Nova is able to successfully deploy an ion grenade before the droid can activate its shield, and he stops it dead in its tracks. And that's enough of an opening to get the squad moving again, and all three men run up the staircase just as two more destroyers uh, roll in from the rooftops and start opening fire. All the while, the tactical droid is watching from the bell tower along with Tawny Ames. As the clones push forward, they're met with heavy resistance, and uh, not just from the destroyer droids up on the rooftops, but also from B-1 battle droids that continually are popping up at street level. But a few well-placed grenades makes the going a little bit easier, and uh, the clones finally make it to a position of cover, and Cody pauses to ask Crosshair if he's managed to spot the tactical droid yet. Scanning the top of the Citadel through his rifle scope, Crosshair sees Governor Groton's shuttle sitting on the, uh, in the courtyard and then panning up to the top of the Citadel. There in the window for just a flash stands the tactical droid, but the sharp angle means he just can't get a clear shot. Now, by now, several droids have converged on the group's position and fire relentlessly at them, uh, once again making it impossible to move. So Cody improvises a plan to use a sticky grenade Suddenly we're in uh, Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. Sticky bombs. <laughs> I actually like this. I thought this was really cool. Um, hurling the device up to the rooftop, it sticks to the shoulder of one of the B1s standing next to a droidica. And then Crosshair bullseyes the droid, and the droid slumps against the destroyer's shield for a minute before slowly drifting through. Then the grenade goes off, and the explosion clears all of the droids uh, from the rooftop and Cody signals for the group to move out. That whole thing I said earlier about uh, earlier about Crosshair really shows his worth here, that he is capable of functioning as part of a bigger team, Yeah, is really starting to show through here. He is capable. Reaching the courtyard at the uh, top of the Citadel, Cody, Crosshair, and Nova enter a courtyard. Uh, oh, I said courtyard twice in the same sentence. What do you know? <laughs> uh, enter the courtyard at the base of the bell tower. Lots of courtyards here. They move cautiously to the tower door and Cody blasts the controls and the door slides open. Inside the dark chamber, they find the chair that Governor Groton had been uh, uh, sitting in. Secured to. But the Imperial has been moved and is nowhere to be found. Strangely, his officer's cap sits on the chair and when Cody picks it up, the clones are set upon by uh, a pair of BX series commando droids. The droids uh, drop in behind them from a concealed position in the ceiling, and they start firing immediately. 
Now, the first shot goes wide, which is enough for the clones to reorient themselves and return fire. And although they manage to drop their assailant, four more commando droids have dropped in, forcing the clones back into a nearby stairwell. One of the commandos uh, springs onto an outcropping on the wall, and from his elevated position, he shoots Nova. As Nova falls, the remainder of his grenades spill out onto the floor, and Cody shouts, Nova, as he tries to reach for the fallen man. But Crosshair is there to drag him back up the stairs, just as the grenades all go off at the same time. Very cool moment. It's Hmm. a quick one, but it's like, how... I don't know how to how to say he this. assesses the situation and he can save Cody and snap call does what he has to Cody in that moment. If crosshair wasn't there, Cody would be dead because yeah. Cody would have tried to save, save him. him. Yeah. It says a lot about both men really. Yeah. 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 Well, the resulting explosion not only clears the room of some of the commando droids, but it's also large enough to rock the entire structure. And at the top of the tower, Tawny aims along with her prisoner, Governor Groton, and the tactical droid prepare the next move. Ames orders the tower to be secured, and uh, the tactical droid uses a data pad uh, to issue orders to a full squad of commandos standing silently in the corner of the room. Well, in the stairwell, Crosshair leads the advance up the tower while uh, Cody uh, covers the rear. The last surviving commando droid from the bottom of the tower gives chase, but Cody guns him down. At the same time, the squad of commandos at the top of the tower begin their counter-assault down the staircase. Running headlong into a pair of them, Crosshair and Cody are forced to hold up, and they end up taking cover against the central pillar of the circular staircase. Cody asks Crosshair if he has any ideas, And Crosshair derisively tells him to try and keep up. He pulls out a mirrored puck, a little convex mirror. Now, we've seen these before. We have. We -hmm. saw them back on uh, Camino in the training facility when I think it was Rampire was testing them. That's right. Yeah. Hunter even throws one, which he picks off out of the air. I kind of watched that recently, too. Right. But, uh, you know. (laughs) He pulls out one of his mirrored pucks and he tosses it against the outer wall of the staircase. Then, taking aim through his sniper scope, Crosshair spots the reflection of the lead commando droid in the puck, and he makes a bank shot, striking the droid squarely in the chest. With another quick shot into the same puck, Crosshair strikes the next droid uh, in the head before tossing another puck and moving up the stairs. Comment from Doug. Doug says, a well-built fortress. Um total medieval vibes here mm. um i totally got sort of game of throne ish hassily yeah 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 dungeons and dragons yeah heavy duty oh they're on his back too isn't that something I, good point i just noticed that These now. do show up at the end of the episode too. isn't that something eh? yeah and i noticed it there but yeah now Cro- crosshair's down. imperial action figure actually has the pucks on his belt oh nice i did not realize that i didn't look at him very closely but oh it's a good good point so he does have him with him yeah 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 Nice. Finite amount, at least, though. Well, uh, yeah, because there's what? Uh, one, two, five or uh, six? Five, five there, three, four, five, yeah. All right. Um, moving up the stairs. Tossing a third puck, he's interrupted when two more commandos who are standing at the top of the spiral staircase fire a volley down at him. 
pulling back against the central spire crosshair is caught completely off guard when one of the commando droids crawls out braced against the outer wall and the inner spire and drops down on top of him spider-man like as the two fall back engaged in hand-to-hand crosshair's helmet is knocked off then another droid crawls out dropping on top of cody knocking his helmet off too Cody struggles against the droid as he watches the first one pick up Crosshair by the throat and pin him against the wall. Then the droid on top of him rends the blaster out of his hands, but Cody is able to get his legs up against his chest and he kicks the commando droid back. With some space between them now, he gets back to his feet and he draws his vibroblade. Lunging at the droid, he stabs it repeatedly in the neck until it falls lifeless. Then Crosshair, who is literally getting the life choked out of him, gurgles, Cody, Cody. And the commander throws his knife, burying it in the droid's head. And Crosshair slumps face first onto the stairs, coughing and sputtering as he tries to catch his breath. Retrieving his blade, Cody tells Crosshair, hold tight, while he takes out the tactical droid. But as he goes to leave, Crosshair slips another mirrored puck into Cody's hand and he says... I can make the shot from right here from right there on the staircase, but he just needs line of sight. Interesting too, though. Like he doesn't uh, hold out like, Oh, I can do it by myself. He asks Cody for help. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. He's on a team and he's functioning. Yeah. Like a team. So looking up at the puck, that's already stuck to the wall. Cody dons his helmet and he climbs the stairs where once again, he is immediately engaged by two more commandos holding at the top of the staircase. Cody calls back to Crosshair. Where do you need the puck? And uh, Crosshair tells him, throw it. Taking more fire from the commandos above, Cody says, how far? And Crosshair tells him, as far as you can. Cody engages with the two droids at the top of the stairs and manages to take one of them out. The tactical droid, who's flanked by the last two commandos, instructs them to defend the governor at all costs. And they spring into action, vaulting themselves toward the staircase. Bloop, 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 bloop. Doing their little flippy thing. Mm-hmm. Taking out the puck that co- uh, taking out the puck, Cody ducks as blaster fire hits uh, the wall near him and sends dust and debris flying. From below, Crosshair can see one of the advancing droids in the reflection of the puck that's already stuck to the wall. Then quite daringly, Cody rolls out from his cover position against the central spire and he throws the puck as hard as he can. Immediately, one of the commandos shoots uh, Cody in the shoulder. Now, staring down the scope, Crosshair watches the reflection of the puck stuck to the wall And as the tumbling mirror that Cody just threw falls into view, and for a split second, he can see the tactical droid standing in the window with just enough enough time for him to make one of the most superhuman quadruple bank shot that we've ever seen in Star Wars. The bolt reflects off the mirror on the wall next to Cody, striking the nearest commando droid in the head. From there, it ricochets off each of the two other commandos' heads that had been advancing on the staircase before finding its mark and catches the tactical droid squarely between the eyes. 
Uh, Facebook user says uh, that shot's a little too good, though. You are uh, exactly where I am with that. Yeah, we. I don't, it only banked four times. <sighs> well, see, the um, funny thing is, he he the 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 um, tactical droid is visible in the in the reflection, but he isn't aiming at the tactical droid. He banks it off four other droids first. <laughs> that can't be so shouldn't shouldn't have been in the anyway in the reflection Uh, it's just it's it's goofy so again you know what Uh, uh, i'm gonna preface this whole thing with space wizards and laser swords it's a kid show it's a kid show too right like i mean it's it's you know follow-up comment nothing but net yeah exactly exactly off the backboard off that cow's back Off the shark tank. Okay. <laughs> so we, we went back and forth on this a bit. And Andy, you were devil's advocate the whole time, which I, 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 I love you for doing that. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, no. Yeah, because we can get too serious. For we sure. went way <laughs> off the rails and we started talking about other marksmen in other media. And then we realized that, no, no, that doesn't make sense to compare with those other people. So let's pause for a minute and let's take a look at some of the known marksman and star wars i've put a collection here put together a collection of images of who i would consider to be the best marksman in star wars that we've ever seen who are not force users so let's take a look here um cad bane for sure aura sing yep boba fett totally fennec shand She's supposedly can't miss. And Rocco Hardeen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not arguing that Crosshair couldn't have made that shot. Um, what I am arguing, and, and the reason I put these up here is because I I think that any of these people, any of these marksmen could have made that shot if they were a Jedi. And it's not that a Jedi that a Jedi is any more skilled at shooting than than they are. These are trained marksmen. It's the law of probability that that mirrored puck would be in the exact place at the exact time that he needed to make those, uh, that quadruple, quadruple bank shot. It's just not even with your, within your own established, uh, uh, loose rules, star Wars. Like it's just as amazing that that Cody threw it in the perfect spot too. It's, there's a lot going on there. Uh, um, I, I, I put Yoda in there because I mean, this is, I, like I said, this is Jedi territory. Well, yeah, here, I will say option. though, if, yeah, it, if, Cody if, put a spin on it. Of course, so that did. was not just like a, a stationary puck flying. It was rotating. Well, that's, right? and that, that's what makes it even more like, wait a minute. So no, that actually lends credence to it because all he had to do is wait for it to rotate to where he needed it. But that presumes that he has the ability to, f- to throw it with the exact amount of spin to make that happen. That's the law of probability just doesn't, doesn't work. It doesn't support that. Maybe you literally need, here. I ugh. find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, I, I'm in my mind. I want to make this work. It's like, it's like the whole uh, uh, Mary Poppins thing with Leia. You, people are like, I want to make this work. How can I make this work in my head? The only way that I can make this work in my head is that those pucks are droid assisted and they actually can fly on their own. Well, that's the not, only way that I can make that work. Cause it's not like it was a, a metal hallway. No, 
and stone. they're sticking to walls. Stone. <laughs> yeah. So there's got to be some sort of cling thing. So, I mean, if there's, you know, and this is, we also talked about that, like if, if there's a, any superheroes, uh, this is a great follow-up comment by Star the way. Wars. The force can also work through non-force users. That is true. Sometimes it control. Sometimes you control it. Sometimes it controls you. That's well, a good that's, point. That is. That a is good a good point. point. That is a good point. If there are ever superheroes in Star Wars, it's the Bad Batch. And if you want to put Django yeah. and yep. Boba on that list of top shooters that we've experienced, yep. Django with his Camino saber dart, like a. Oh, that's know, true. Yeah, yeah. Away, right? Yep. And then you take that genetic template and you extrapolate their ability to do that and amplify it. That's what cross 99th degree. You you (laughs) take that, that ability that, that Cody has with that knife. Sure. That that Django had with his knife, presumably, and you amplify that and you give it to Hunter. You take, you know, Boba's ability to tinker with his armor and ship and you give that to tech and you amplify it. So, and then, like we said in the first episode when Omega's doing Jedi flips off over giant uh, crabs yep, and, yep. and you know, no rope burn. Well, and Hunter's um, grabbing ladders as he's falling with a gun in his hand. Like we've already done... said that o- Omega is the sum total of all of, of, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So when we start seeing Omega make those shots, uh, don't be surprised. <laughs> That's right. Don't, don't be surprised. Space uh, so wizards, kids, space wizards and laser swords. And I have to go back to that because if I don't, I get really upset. And, and you know what, <laughs> this is the one thing so far in the bad batch that has made me go, you broke your own rules. You broke your own rules. Unrelated question. Why is her hair blonde? Well, okay, we well. actually addressed mm-hmm. that last uh, episode. Oh yeah. Well, that there might be some spice in the, well, that, mix. So th- that's, that is a prevailing fan theory that there may be something else going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some borrowed genetic material from somebody else that might have been blonde. Uh, Lauren says she, she looks specifically uh, suspiciously like the Duchess Satine. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not going to argue that. One yeah. that I forgot to bring up in our non Star Wars. Sure. Uh, you guys have seen Wanted, yes? I am yes. Angelina Jolie. Yes. Oh, right, yeah, right. Yeah, the yeah. final shot of that B- movie. Bending the bullets. Yeah, where corner. it does, uh, what do they take out? Like nine people with one yeah. shot in right, a circular right. room. <laughs> you see where I'm coming from, though. It's not yeah. that it's not that he doesn't have the ability to make a bank shot. If you had all the mirrors that you needed pre-positioned lined up, I totally buy it. I've I've bought it in every other application Made that he's done this in. <laughs> Uh, yeah okay the phasma uh the phasma connection why isn't armor made of this stuff if this is so reflective so too expensive there's a there's a a new thing happening in the comics and i think the armor the metal is called cortisol or something like that or i I know that's a real world well there's cortosis cortosis that's the one that that's 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 a legends pull well, it's no longer a legends pull. I, I mean, it is a legends pull, but it's it's a it's canonized forward now. Okay, canonized thing. They um, there's a weapon called the Null Sword uh, that was yep. an ancient artifact that uh, could defeat Jedi because it just neutralized the blades, neutralized blasters and stuff. Interesting. Uh, and there was a an old an old robot that uh, used to was the enemy of ancient Jedi called Ajax Sigma, and okay. uh, they found. Just in the comics, just recently, they found its consciousness, its AI on a on a data pad, and built it. the 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 droid uh, Kadra, if you will, okay. is rebuilding yep. its body, and because Afra is cybernetic, it has uh, possessed her 
And so now she wields the null blade with armor made of Cortosis. And Ooh, uh, that's pretty consistent cool with Cortosis from Legends. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, the ancient Sith armor was made from uh, Cortosis weave, uh, and it could stop a lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. So what perhaps Cortosis mirrors, Beskar mirrors. I don't know. know. I don't know. Stuff All I know there. is that you'd need a force user to get that puck to face the right direction to make that shot. Uh, and then what are they spliced with? How, in what way are the bad batch genetically altered from the original? And is it, is it force juice, if you will? Midi well, corns, okay. You will? So I actually considered that for a second that, okay, well, we'll just say that they're now force sensitive as well, or in this case, force users that breaks the rules even more because now they're just like, it's that whole, like when you're playing a star Wars role-playing game and suddenly that the Jedi is better at everything than the specialists are. Mm-hmm. You've just doubled down on that. I don't want my clones to be, I don't want them to be force sensitive. I want them to be regular yeah. guys. That's what I want them. The bad batch, as you say, closest thing to superheroes we're going to have. Okay. But let's and just, I think like, that's what it, I think that's what it is. I don't think there's any actual, I think that's just, superheroism and it's taken to the nth power just to it remind definitely of, it right? definitely was uh they're not I, I think regs. Might, no no i think you will get some force sensitivity out of omega uh maybe or not. that's my prediction for omega for sure i don't i mean yes she is part of the the bad batch but she's certainly not part of clone force 99 as they yeah. were established so like those guys leave the brothers alone you've already messed yeah. with them leave and them i alone. think they will and i think they will i think that's just uh yeah, yeah. Like I say, it's it's indicative of his skill, but amplified to a level where we just can't deny it anymore. Right, right. Okay. Well, um, again, thank you for entertaining me on that one because, as I said, that's the one that kind of took me out of it. Space wizards. As the tactical droid falls, it drops the data pad uh, uh, from its hand and the built-in comm link uh, that's built into it. We can hear the the battle droids from somewhere else in the tower call for reinforcements. At the same time, Squad 2 has arrived on the other side of the building, and the lead trooper unleashes a gout of fire from his flamethrower, and the two lonely battle droids fall. Back on the spiral staircase, Crosshair, still coughing from his near-death choking, compliments Cody on the throw. Cody returns the compliment, saying, nice shot. Then the two clones move in to secure the command center at the top of the tower. Squad 2 radios in that the droid forces have been destroyed. Cody orders them to uh, scour the city and find Governor Groton. But from the shadows, Tawny Ames calls out, there's no need. Stepping out from the dark corner, she shoves Governor Groton in front of her, using him like a human shield, her blaster pressed up against his face. Cody and Crosshair level their rifles at her, and the Imperial Governor screams in a panic, do something! Ames uh, introduces herself and asserts that she is the rightful governor of Dessex. Cody tells her that they have official imperial orders. Ames shoves Governor Groton forward as she tells Cody that Dessex separated from the Republic years ago, and they're an independent system. She asserts that once the imperial government recognizes that, she will hand over Groton along with his TK troopers. She says that these are her terms. Cody tells her that they aren't there to debate politics with her. Now, Tawny says that were they actually to engage in that debate, they might see how unjust their actions really are. 
Cody reminds her that her forces are the ones who attack two Imperial convoys, but Ames insists they were defending themselves against a hostile occupation. She calls Cody and the rest of the clones the only threat to her people. Towing the company line, Cody tells her they aren't the enemy and the Empire is just trying to establish peace and order throughout the galaxy. <laughs> Tightening her grip on Groton's neck, she retorts, peace? She goes on to tell Cody that when she believed in peace, she and Separatist Senator Mina Bonteri proposed a treaty with uh, Separatist and Republic senatorial support, but the Supreme Chancellor of the Republic rejected it. She goes on to say, your Supreme Chancellor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. After that, peace was never an option for her. Of course, I remember that episode. That's the one where uh, uh, Ahsoka and um, Padme uh, sneak behind uh, Separatist lines to meet with Mina Bonteri. Mm -hmm. Cody gestures for Crosshair to uh, stand down. Then removing his helmet, uh, they both lower their weapons. Cody goes so far as to place his rifle on the floor. And then with an open gesture, he tells her, it's an option now. He reminds her that both of them have lived through one war, and he suggests that they don't start another. Continuing, he says that too many people have died already, and they can resolve things without more bloodshed. He pleads with her, please, do this for your people. Narrowing her eyes, you can see the struggle with the choice that's been presented to her. But then she releases Groton, and she shoves him away as she lowers her pistol. Groton stumbles over to Cody, commending him for how he just handled the situation, and then orders him to execute her. Cody is caught off guard, and he protests, Sir, I promised a, a peaceful... He can't even finish the sentence before Groton shouts at him, You did. I didn't. Now execute her. Cody stares at the ground for a second before looking at Ames. Her face is grim as she remarks, So much for peace. Cody just stares ahead at her, unable to retrieve his weapon. Governor Groton, who's quite animated, screeches at him. I gave you an order! Follow it or face the consequences for diso... And before he can finish, uh, can finish the word disobedience, a shot rings out and Tawny Ames falls dead on the floor. Cody turns to see the smoke rising from the barrel of Crosshair's rifle. Chuckling. Governor Groton orders them to put her body in the square to serve as a warning. Then the Imperial Senator, still in binders, walks out of the room. Cody stares at Ames' body in disbelief and then looks back as Crosshair has quietly walked away. Looking back at uh, Tawny Ames, uh, the smoke still rising from the fatal blaster wound, um, Cody looks at her as he frowns, full of conflicting emotion. Later on a Venator class star, uh, later on a Venator class star destroyer sits above the Desix Citadel down on the ground. TK troopers sweep through the city, clearing the streets and invasively entering people's homes. Some citizens are rounded up under guard while others are fo uh, forced to load crates uh, from the crop fields onto nearby shuttles. It looks like they're rounding up the non-humans. Hostile occupation, but maybe, yeah. Cody stands near the open ramp of an attack shuttle while the remainder of his clone troops help the wounded TK troopers on board. 
crosshair strides past with barely a glance. Now there's something we didn't see. We never saw the TKs that uh, Groton brought get roughed up, but they are clearly like limping to get back on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something happened. Then as uh, Cody goes to board the shuttle, uh, he pauses to look back as another shuttle is landing at the feet of Governor Groton. The two men exchange glances and the shuttle empties another complement of TK troops onto the planet's surface. Cody watches the troops march past, then donning his helmet, he steps up the ramp and the shuttle lifts off and uh, Desix is no longer an imperial or an independent world, I should say under imperial control it is an imperial world big time well back on uh, coruscant cody and crosshair return to the uh, imperial headquarters and uh, walking past the memorial wall cody pauses to look at the names before crosshair can walk away cody stops him and asks if he thinks that they along with the new empire are making things better in typical crosshair uh, fashion he tells him we're soldiers. We do what needs to be done. With a sideways glance, Cody asks, you know what makes us different from battle droids? Crosshair narrows his gauge, uh, his gaze as he waits for the answer. Then, turning to walk past him, Cody says, we make our own decisions, our own choices. Stopping in front of Crosshair, he looks up at him for a second as he adds, and we have to live with them too. And then he walks away. Crosshair watches him go. There's a look of uncertainty on his face, but then the look is gone, replaced by his usual scowl. And as more clones march past, Crosshair lingers in front of the wall and he just stares at the ground. And there is what I was saying is the, uh, for me, the seed has been planted uh, where I actually feel like, okay, there is a chance for Crosshair to maybe come back, come back to the light. Whereas, Mm -hmm. uh, Quite possibly, Cody's seed has just fully bloomed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Cody is the, if we're going to keep the analogy going, Cody is the seed that, like, the spark of the whole. No, uh, for everybody, for all the clones. The whole revolt, yeah, because yeah. especially knowing that it happens in front of the wall here, I think well, Cody's going to. The two most, uh, the two most famous Jedi generals of the Clone War, mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, and now both of their clones are in the wind. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> both of their clone commanders, I should say. Yeah. Shh, we don't know that yet. Oh, okay, sorry, wait. <laughs> well, like bookends uh, to the episode, once again, uh, we, we go back to visit Crosshair alone in his quarters. The same alarm goes off like it's done countless times before, and he swings his feet onto the floor and sits up again. But this time it's a little different because on the gear crate next to him sits his helmet and he stares at it for a bit. Cutting to the mess hall, Crosshair sits at the same table with the same Spartan meal. Only nobody's sitting there this time. And like clockwork, the PA chimes again. And that same disinterested female voice summons him to Rampart's office again. In Rampart's office, the Admiral sits studying the same cargo unit checklist on the same data pad that he did at the beginning. He tells Crosshair that after his success on Desix, he's assigning him to another mission. This time, he'll be under the command of CT-1226. 
When Crosshair asks why Cody isn't commanding the mission, Rampart looks at him like he has no idea who he's talking about, and he questions, Cody? Then Crosshair refers to him by his actual designation of CC2224. Then Rampart scoffs as he nods in acknowledgement, remarking, Ah, yes, it appears that he has gone AWOL. Crosshair scowls at the news, and Rampart turns in his chair to face him as he asserts, Clone loyalty does not seem to be as advertised anymore. Then, uh, through a thin veil of contempt, he remarks, Funny, isn't it, how these clones around you keep disappearing? Looking up, he asks Crosshair if there's a problem. Crosshair replies, no, sir. And Rampart dismisses him with a wave of his hand and turns back in his chair toward the window to go back to reading the cargo unit checklist. Crosshair then dons his helmet and leaves the office. Out in the hallway, he passes other troopers without any acknowledgement or recognition, and none is shown towards him either. And as he walks toward the camera, we cut to black. This last uh, sequence here with him in Rampart, what do you think about that? Yeah, he'll keep using them until he can't. That whole, uh, like he's suggesting, like, it's almost like he's onto him. Like he's, he's, like I said, thinly veiled. Like Mm. he thinks Crosshair had something to do with it. Cody's gone. Hmm, that's funny. That's twice now that uh, people around you have disappeared. Yeah, you it, know what I mean. Like it, it might be his smart move to go AWOL, but whether that brings him back to the batch or sets him know. on a a path against them in some other sure, fashion, sure. I, I can't help but look. Uh, you know, apologies to all the the, the uh, audio listeners, but that that image of Crosshair at the very end, just before we cut to black, yep, doesn't look like a droid there hands kind of just at the sides and you know like an action figure like very stiff yeah, very, yeah it's very rigid and, and i don't know <laughs> set well, set like that against the white with his you know the, the alternate armor just very alone well he does uh, operate kind of droid like right like you give him an order he completes the order it doesn't matter yeah. what it is he has been the most compliant <laughs> is, yeah. That, yeah. is that the word compliant yeah so the spark may may burn. I, I mean, uh, it's a long season too. It uh, we may see him, you know, slowly broken down over time. Like right, you know, this is a big chink in the armor, if you will. But um, we may see crosshair slowly broken down over the course of the season. I go back uh, to the title, the 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 solitary clone, and I mean, not only mm-hmm. is he physically alone when he wakes up in his quarters. He is now finding himself morally alone. Like clones are waking up to the fact that, Hey, this isn't what we were supposed to be doing. We're not helping. Yeah. Yeah. And at any time now they could just shut us off. And so who knows, maybe this, uh, you know, this vote that's coming up for the, the conscripted troops could be a blessing in disguise as more clones, presumably the majority of clones, who were Republic heroes, you know, wake up to the, uh, the notion that uh, this isn't, this isn't heroic. I, yeah. There's a, there's a, in uh, the wiki entry on the, on the wall, uh, the memorial yeah. wall says yep. that it only stands for, and I don't know what this is in a canon thing, but it says it only stands for a year after the end of the civil war. 
Oh, wow. And I could see something like that being removed, something that would throw the clones into an absolute frenzy. I mean, look, look what happens in the end of uh, Jedi when they knock over the, uh, the big Palpatine statue. So I, yeah. I agree with you. That could definitely be. And what a powerful moment that would be if there's a bunch of clones out on the like on the parade square when it happens. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what? Something's coming. I think that might be sort of the major uh, happening of this yeah. season of you know, we're, we're going to get a couple more one-off, uh, you know, adventure of the day missions, but I think that the, we're headed towards a clone revolt. I'll go back to what echo said, uh, that they should be doing more and the line we, that means numbers and weapons and mm-hmm. who's got the numbers, a bunch of clone brothers. And it, 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 it's not lost on me too, that when we catch up with Rex and rebels, which is, you know, uh, and we're, we're so in and out of the timeline, you know, yep, uh, yep. from different angles. But that it's Gregor and Wolf and not Cody that's with them. That's right. You know, and then you, you got to check yourself and you go, oh, if he's not with them, he's probably not with anyone. You know, well, he's probably he probably doesn't make it to that point. So, I mean, ultimately, we have to remember that. And I know, I mean, yes, the films were made in the, you know, Star Wars made in 76, released in 77. But timeline wise, there is a reason why we don't see any clones in zero BBY and forward. Mm-hmm. Right. So, right. Here, here's a thought. These guys were bred for war raised. Were they allowed to read? Certainly they would have had to read the, the, I mean, we see them reading from consoles as they're, you know, digesting their training programs. Okay. Cause if, uh, if reading for enjoyment, probably not. Well, if that was something that was denied to them, yeah. And that wall was literally gibberish for the sake of gibberish. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah, just Ooh. throw up a fake wall. Oh, and make them think right. We're giving a crap about them. No, they're mm. smart. Whereas yeah. I mean, do they yeah. have the ability like are they literate? Yeah. For sure they're literate. Okay. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. They are. Yeah. I can I can picture Cody actually even finding the Obi-Wan uh recording. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sparking a you know, I could we could get a commander Cody uh, series out of this. <laughs> well, listen, before we wrap it up, I, I just want to say back at the beginning of the episode, I promised you a deep cut uh, comedic element. Okay. Well, let me regale you with the tale <laughs> of CT one, two, two, six. First of all, CT1226, uh, introduced by author Jason Fry in the 2012 essential guide to warfare he was written as a clone who was in the right place at the wrong time and was rewarded for his misadventures ct1226 participated in the battle of geonosis uh, where he was nearly killed by a stray blast from a republic atte instead he ends up falling into a create into a crater uh, that was created by the blast then as he started to climb out of that crater a separatist hailfire droid, that's the big missile firing uh, wheel thing, rolled over the crater and stopped right over him, thinking that he should do something about it. He raises his blaster before realizing that, well, that's not going to do anything. So he drops back into the crater, and when he turns around, uh, he's met by a pair of B-1 battle droids who had also uh, fallen in the crater. What he didn't see behind them was a B2HA super battle droid uh, armed with a missile launching arm behind them. 
And uh, that's fine because the super battle droid didn't see him either. Instead, it just smashed its way through the B1s, which we saw them do in the film, uh, because those B1s were between it and the Republic ATTEs. So as this uh, super battle droid makes its way around the crater, uh, CT-1226 uh, ends up shooting at it uh, in the back, just as it launches a missile into the Republic lines. But the missile goes off course, instead striking the Hailfire droid that had stopped over top of the crater, blowing it to bits. Of course, uh, CT-1226 wasn't aware of this at the time, and he continued to deal with the super battle droid by tossing an EMP grenade at it and then dumping a few rounds into its back to make sure it was dead. Consequently, the destruction of the Hailfire droid punched a hole in the Separatist defensive screen, allowing the uh, Republic forces to advance. And as a result, CT-1226 was awarded a commendation for his quick thinking and resourcefulness. As author Jason Fry would say about writing that section of the book, sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good at something. <laughs> and this is the guy that Crosshair just got assigned to. Nice. <laughs> there you have it, folks. That has been our look at uh, episode uh, season like a 203, the uh, solitary clone. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any question about uh, clone revolt, clone uprising. However, you wanna, it's coming. You wanna call it. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there's a reason why we don't see clones uh, later on in the timeline, and uh, I, I predict it's gonna be grim. It's gonna be ugly. You know, remember how we felt watching uh, uh, Ahsoka face off those guys, and how how heart wrenching it was that when they were buried. Yeah when a, a bunch of stormtroopers rack up against these guys and it's a big force on force thing. I, I don't think, I think it's going to be very emotional. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's it guys. Anything else you want to touch on before we uh, wrap it up for tonight? Maybe they're preparing us for it. I mean, we had a kill <sighs> count last episode. We have a kill count this episode. For sure. Like actual death. Is it going to continue through the episodes so that we just, get so used to the idea of clones getting killed off maybe that it might i don't know lessen the blow when it finally comes it's one thing to see uh you know a generic trooper uh that you just have no uh, no yeah as soon as you start putting names to them yeah Mm -hmm. and then they start doing stuff like you know turning (laughs) getting their brains swizzled and then wanting to kill people that you care about like uh, I feel that, you know, we may end up seeing, and it could come down to it. We might see guys that embraced, uh, you know, that stuck, stuck with uh, the empire right. after order 66 and seeing clones fighting, you know, clone fighting clone. That yeah. will be like, what? Got wrenching. Yeah. 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 Agreed. Well, that's it for me guys. Yeah, man. I got nothing else. Uh, stay with us though, because, uh, wow. Um, we're back at the same time next week. Got a few things uh, I'm probably going to uh, look at uh, later this week. I will probably take the the wall section out and uh, turn that into a separate video. Um, and I can't not talk about the uh, quadruple bank shot because that just <laughs> it's head shaking for me. 
<laughs> and let us know if you want us to do two hours on rank because we could easily do it. <laughs> yeah, maybe uh, that'll make a nice social media post. We'll put up uh, some some of the fan created imagery that's out there that that does try to compile from uh, canon sources. It's really convoluted. Um, I'll see what I can find. I've looked at a couple of different ones, and I'll I'll throw maybe by then Hidalgo will have tweeted me back. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, uh, there is a PR email address at Lucasfilm, and I, I am not above sending an email in an official capacity to see if they do offer some kind of response. I would love to get, like I say, it's this is solely in the story group's uh, um, wheelhouse, and when you mm-hmm. know who's on the story group and what their jobs are, again, Pablo Hidalgo, <laughs> we are looking at you. <laughs> <laughs> is there something going on here that we're missing? Like what's the deal here with governors and rank? All right, guys. Well, stay with us as we will be back. Uh, same time, roughly this time again, next week, uh, where we'll be covering episode four and same uh, batch time, same batch channel until then guys for fan power. My name is Wes. I'm Andy and I'm Hank. And we will see you on the next one, guys. Bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms.